Good morning, everybody. Well, we've probably all guessed that this morning's message is all about hope. Hopefully, my voice won't be lost halfway through, and hopefully, this earpiece will stay in place. Two pieces of scripture to start with. For unto us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And in John 16:33, it says, I have told you these things, that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Slowly he rose, and the crowd fell silent. Those at the back leaned forward, straining to hear. The atmosphere was electric. He spoke, and his carefully chosen words flew like swift arrows and found their mark. The great man, a spokesman for God, was warning and condemning. The crowd became restless, shifting positions, clenching their fists and murmuring. Some agreed with his message, nodding their heads and were weeping softly. But most were angry and they began to shout back insults and threats. And such was the life of a prophet. Isaiah was deemed as the greatest of God's prophets with a ministry that lasted 60 years. He often stood alone with many a conflict raging against him. Isaiah served God at a time when many of Israel's kings lived in disobedience to God and leading Israel into great sin. Israel had lost its way as God's sovereign nation. Their disregard to the most marginalized in society would eventually lead them into captivity and exile. Isaiah was a man of great obedience. He communed with God, and when hearing from God, he acted doing God's will. Much of the world today is in disarray, as in Isaiah's time. Some people lean forward, straining and yearning to listen to the gospel message of peace and hope. Others will clench their fists, will resist and murmur against God, and others are so disinterested in God and his word that their lives are filled with just obtaining all the world's delights. Yet within the pages of Isaiah's book comes the most gentle of verses. For unto us a child is born, to us a child is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And as we approach Christmas, the prophecy given by Isaiah was all about a baby being born in a lonely manger and wrapped in swaddling cloth. 
His name above all names, Jesus. As a baby, he grew to be an infant. From infant to child, from child to teenager, and from teenager to man. In the early years, as a young man, God prepared him for a dynamic ministry and a ministry that would change the world. And when that ministry began, it had an everlasting impact on the world. From his teachings to his healing ministries, his total love for lost humanity, he chose 12 ordinary men to shape the gospel message and bring hope to a lost world. In the final hours of his life, he found himself in the Garden of the Gethsemane, alone and in agony of his soul, deserted by his disciple. He knows the cross awaits him, the cruel beatings and the nails that would pierce his skin. He cries out desperately to his father, asking if this cup of suffering can be taken from him. Yet in his courage and determination, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus goes to the cross, his body pierced for our transgressions, his blood shed for the atonement of the world's sins. And Jesus finally cries out, it is finished, his work here on earth completed. Three days later, as promised, Jesus arises from the grave, Satan, a defeated foe, and there is now hope for lost humanity. Lighting the candle of hope during Advent, which is sometimes known as the prophecy candle, simply celebrates the prophet Isaiah's foretelling of Christ Jesus' arrival here on earth. But this morning, as we think about hope, what does Christian hope look like to us as Christians? And what does hope look like in a lost world? Hebrews 6, 18, and taken from the Message Bible, it says, grab hope with both hands and never let go. What does your year look for this year? And let me ask you gently and respectfully, has it been carefree with no problems? Or has any of your problems looked impossible to resolve? Or are you sitting in a state of despair, ready to give up on God? I spoke at the very beginning of this year, quoting from Matthew eleven twenty-eight, and paraphrasing. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Learn from me, rest in me, and let me take your burdens. And there is probably not one person in this church building this morning who is or has not faced some form of burden this year. And we can look to others for support. We can look to Christians, brothers and sisters, for support, prayer and wisdom. And rightly so. But there's only one person who understands wholly who you are, what you're going through, and says to each of us, come unto me. And Jesus says, come unto me, because Isaiah's prophecy about him was true. 
Most governments throughout the world are corrupt. They dishonor God and their people. They live in disarray and their governments rest on flimsy foundations. And even the most stable of governments within the world are flawed by their humanness. But God's government, his kingdom, is unshakable. Its authority and sovereignty remains everlasting to everlasting. Its foundations, unshakable. Jesus is the mighty counsellor. He is full of godly wisdom, who knows our frame so well, and how to respond to each of us collectively as his church and to us as individuals. And Jesus is the mighty God. He came to earth to show all the attributes of God as Father and how God as a Father longs to respond to each of us. And Jesus continues to show that in a hurting and disruptive world, he remains the Prince of Peace. So where does our hope lie this morning? Well, if you're a Christian, simply in the loving arms of Jesus. And Jesus says, come unto me. And if you're not a Christian and you hear Jesus calling you, I urge you to respond. Jesus has the, the answer for your future and the glorious offer and assurance of salvation. Indeed, your only hope for your very life and soul is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And in beckoning you, Jesus says, come unto me. We are now approaching the start of a new year. And now is the time to think optimistically and with new hope. I like normally when I talk to give an opportunity to give some testimonies. And here are two testimonies for you which are hope in which you will see hope. Amelie Baptiste was a 79-year-old lady when she was struck by a hit-and-run driver, and doctors believed that she would not live. She was wrapped in plaster from hip to heel, and she insisted during her recovery period that she returned to an old musty house, surrounded with memories of a lifetime, with old drawings and many books on the shelves. A friend came to visit her and thought she was living in the past. But as the friend was looking around her rows of books, he noticed around ten brand new poetry books. And the books looked as though they had never been opened, let alone read. The friend inquired of Miss Baptiste if she cared for poetry. Her answer to her friend was one of the greatest testimonies of hope the friend had ever heard. I love poetry, she said, but I haven't read those books yet. I'm saving them for my old age. And she did too. She lived to read those poetry books and read them many, many times. She died at the age of 91 when she was thinking about travelling to Europe. So what is hope? Hope is wishing for something to come true. Faith is believing that what you're hoping for will come true. 
Hope is wanting something so badly, so eagerly, that in spite of all the evidence that you're not going to get what you're wanting for, yet you go on wanting it and believing that you will. And the remarkable thing about hope is that it produces a strength of its own. Let me ask you, what are you hoping for today? And where does your hope lie? The second testimony, I was at Bible college when a lovely young couple joined the college at the same time as me. They were called Helen and Stuart. And Helen started on the same year level as myself. For whatever reason, Helen really liked me. Helen was one of these young ladies whose face just shone with the love of Jesus. She loved telling me how much Jesus loved me and thought there was a plan and a purpose for me being at Bible College. I would smile weakly at her and my mind would be thinking, really? But as that first year of college went by and my friendship with Helen and Stuart grew, Helen had to suddenly stop her studies. She shared with me one day that she had multiple cirrhosis and that within that illness she would never be able to have children. And I felt devastated for them both. Helen, though, was a woman of hope, faith and prayer. Stuart graduated from Bible College and he became a pastor up in the Midlands. And I was in Africa 2019, sitting in a hotel lobby, and I decided to read and check my emails. And there was one from Helen. Now, most of my closest friends have always just referred to me as Watson, something that's gone on for 50 years. And at Bible College, I told people just to call me by my surname. And her email read something like this. Dear Watson, I hope you are safe in Africa. I wanted you to know that Jesus has answered my prayers. I am pregnant and expecting in the next few months. Stuart and I are so happy. God is good. Love, Helen. My eyes, and I can feel quite emotional now as that happens, but my eyes filled with tears of joy. And I walked over to the hotel bar, got myself a nice cold bottle of beer, and celebrated. Today, Helen and Stuart have two children. Helen's MS is in remission over the last four years. Hope, prayer, and faith go hand in hand. When you are hoping for something, you should be entering into a time of continuous prayer. Then believe that the Lord is listening to your prayer and then by faith believing that the Lord will answer that prayer. In John 16.33, Jesus tells us quite plainly that in this world we will have and face trouble. But we are to take heart because he has overcome the world. In John 16, the Lord Jesus' time on earth was almost done. And in those last days and those last hours on earth, Jesus spent that time ministering and instructing his disciples and praying for his disciples. And as you carry on into chapter 17, we see Jesus praying for future believers. He was effectively praying for you and me.
We live in a world of tribulation, in a world of trial, a world thwarted with temptation, suffering, and many forms of sinful wrongdoings. All that affects the world in its misery and strife. Everything that comes against us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, Jesus says, I have conquered that which is against humanity. If we are honest, we are probably all scared by what's happening in the world today, let alone our own lives. However, we must never think we are defeated. We must lift our heads high to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, believing we belong to the King who has conquered death, the one who has overcome the world and promises that we will share eternity with him. Satan will attempt to disarm God's sovereignty through wars, violence, corruptions, and many forms of sins. And he would try to discourage you and I in many ways and to lose hope. But on that cruel cross at Calvary, Jesus disarmed Satan and the rulers and the principalities. Jesus, by his death and resurrection, took the sting out of death. The finished work of Christ removes the teeth of suffering. Jesus, by entering our world and suffering alongside us, offers certain hope that transcends the temporal sorrow and suffering this world throws at his followers. We are not called to overcome the world. Jesus did it all on Calvary's cross. And Jesus has assured us of an inheritance that can never perish, that can never be spoilt, an inheritance that can never fade. It's because of this godly reality we can take heart, be of good courage, and lean on all of God's promises in Scripture that describes hope. It's because of the cross of Christ we can take hold of hope today and tomorrow. As Christians, we all want to be blessed and have good things in our life too. And I believe there is nothing wrong with asking God for blessings and good things to accompany our lives. If you want a verse to encourage your faith, to renew your hope for the new year, then Jeremiah 29.11 is a verse for you this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. And plans to give you a hope and a future. Verse 12 continues by saying, Then you will call upon me and come and pray, and I will listen. God is listening to our prayers. This morning, if your hope is in Christ Jesus, then rest in his loving arms. Be at peace and rest assured that no trouble or trial in this life will be able to take hope from you. And Jesus says, come unto me. And Jesus says, come to me in prayer. Come to me in faith. Allow me to give you the peace that transcends all understanding. And allow me to renew your hope in me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.